Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersena from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. It's September, and we know it's September because the kids and the grandkids are back to school. We're back to routines. And as I mentioned last week, if you missed it, we're back to gardening. It is the fall, or I like to call it the second gardening season. It's here, and it's September. Please listen. It's September, and the orchards are afire with red and gold. And the nights are dew, are heavy, and the mornings sharp with cold. Now the garden's at its gayest with the salvia blazing red, and the good old-fashioned asters laughing us from their bed. Once again in shoes and stockings are on the children's little feet, and the dog now does his snoozing on the bright side of the street. It's September, and the cornstalk Cornstalks are high as they will go, and the red cheeks of the apples everywhere begin to show. Now the supper's scarcely over, and the darkness settles down, and the moon looms big and yellow at the edges of the town. Oh, it's good to see the children when their little prayers are said, ducked beneath the patchwork covers when they tumble into bed. It's September, and the calmness and the sweetness seem to fall over everything that's living, just as though it hears the call of old winter trudging slowly with his pack of ice and snow in the distance over yonder, and it somehow seems as though every tiny little blossom wants to look its very best when the frost shall bite its petals and it droops away to rest. It's September! In its fullness and the ripeness of the year, all the work of earth is finished, and the final tasks are near. But there is no doleful wailing, every living thing that grows, for the end that is approaching, wears the finest garb it knows. And I pray that I may proudly hold my head up high and smile, when I come to my September, in this golden after while. It truly is September. Welcome back, everyone. It's September. Or, yeah, already September 9th. Wow. It's already like we're into it and we're getting ready. I know the grandkids were excited to go back to school. And as that excitement builds, it's their excitement to getting things done in the garden. And I think I mentioned last time we were talking about our gardens and sort of saying, what are we doing? What are we harvesting? What are we getting? Well, lo and behold, I after last week's show, I... Uh, yeah, I used my good old trusty truck and backed it up to uh, some apple trees in the back here to do a little harvesting myself because with the teas of the the apples and the corn stimulating that conversation, yeah, a little bit of a sounding of maybe apple bars were in the midst. And lo and behold, the wasps in this tree were having a bountiful dinner. It was just like this whole fest of it. So the wasp has definitely been a little bit of a discouragement. But yeah, I was able to harvest a little bit. And yeah, I was able to get stung once or twice. 
but I think the bounty of getting some of these apples down was worth it. So what are you doing in your garden right now? 1-800-374-3315. We know that the apples are coming down, and if you're needing to get up a little higher, just remember, uh, stay careful on those ladders. Uh, there's a shout-out. Mum had uh, the grandson over a while back to help her with the ones that were up on top, and I must admit, the little short stature that I am, it was hard for me, even with the tailgate of my truck pushed into this tree, to get up to the taller ones. And yes, as mum says, the ones at the very top are the very best. Wasn't able to get there. But if you're looking for things like that to help you or assist you, if you happen to get on the ladder, be cautious, be careful. Have a buddy system that's going to be able to help you. Or uh, venture to some of your garden centers and get uh, pole extenders. They're actually a little buckets. I know, Larry, you're waiting. But uh, there's um, little apparatus apparatuses that can help you it's like a a broom pole that has extender and it has a little bit of a pouch on the end so that when you shake the apple lo and behold it doesn't hit the ground it drops into this little uh bucket for you so you can do your harvesting let's go right to the line larry is waiting good morning larry good morning good morning and where are you calling from this morning winnipeg well, it looks like it's a nice day out there. It's a little cool this morning, but I think it's going to be a gorgeous it's, weekend. It's, it's a beautiful day. There's no mosquitoes today. Well, that's I. you know what? Let's get rid of the mosquitoes. We'll contend with the wasps, <laughs> and we'll take right. the day as it is. Yeah. How can we help you this morning? Why do cedars turn brown? Ooh, they turn brown for a number of reasons. Um, is it... Uh, is it particularly your cedar, or is it just seeing that the cedars are turning brown? I have a, I have about three or four of them, and the, some of the parts of it are turning brown. Okay, how old are they? Uh, a couple of years in the ground. Okay, all right. There's a few things that cause the browning, and I'm seeing it a little bit more on younger ones this year, and there's a different scenario. So, A, cedars will go brown if there's lack of moisture or not enough moisture that's on them. So when cedars are planted, they need to be planted almost on a, you know, like a baseball pitcher's mound. They like to be a little bit higher on the root ball, so they don't like to be in standing water. So you have to be able to plant it in an area that has good drainage but has moisture. All right? Okay. If if they lack in that moisture through the winter, you will see the effect of that rusting or browning effect the following season. Now, did you start to see it after the spring, or is it consistently since summer on to fall? After the spring. After the spring? Yeah. Okay. If you did not have enough moisture going into the winter uh, for that to hold moisture into those cells, and it seems kind of weird that little, you know, evergreens there, you think how much moisture can this hold because it's so thin and it's delicate, but we want to get as much moisture into the needles of our spruce, our junipers and our cedars in the winter. So they lock that in. And the other thing too, is we have to remember about the direction of winds and the direction of sun bouncing off of white snow, causing some of those cells of those uh, cedars and that to open up a little bit when it gets a little bit more warm. So create a windbreak to help with the desiccating winds on that. 
And uh, also, too, if you could guard it by putting up a, the same wind block for prevention of sun scalding. Okay? Now, when, when we talk about... Sorry? Is there any, any kind of a small parasite that the leaves get or something that you can't see? Yes. Okay, I was going to mention that next because that's sort of the winter care aspect and the fall care aspect. During the summer, they are very prone to spider mites too as well, which is a small, minute little bug that will cause the branches to go browner and browner. And if you want to test yourself for it, usually I take a... Um, like a, a white piece of paper, like a full scalpel or something that you have, and bring a branch to some place that's not too windy and do a gentle tap onto your paper. They're really minute. Sometimes you can see them moving if you've got a, a magnifying glass. And the other one is if I take my hand and I do a, a gentle smear across it, if I see a, a trail of yellowy or reddish streaking, you're basically smushing them and you're getting that um, extrude from their colorant that's on there. But spider mites... Spider mites will cause browning, too, during the summer months. What can they be sprayed with? Uh, you can use any type of insecticide that's on there. I like to use water first, and blasting them off with water first will work. And just know that this spider mites love areas on foliage of plants where there's less air circulation and less uh, moisture. If a plant is already under stress that's on it, it will naturally go to there. So in essence, it's kind of that compounded factor that if it's in a drier, very dry, low wind area, they don't get bounced off naturally by the wind and all that kind of stuff. And in drier conditions, then the rain isn't naturally washing them off themselves. So I would probably say let's get out the garden hose today and give it a good blast off because you want to not winter those over. And then there are some sprays that you can spray onto the foliage. Um, but I would try blasting it with water first. What kind of sprays? Uh, we'll use, there's Bug X Out. Uh, there's a product called Bug X Out. Or if you want to go a little bit lighter, you can use Endol. Um, that's, you know, with your fatty acids and that. You can use that too as well. But just remember, when you're spraying any type of spray, spray early in the morning or later in the evening when the temperatures are cool. Okay. Okay. Okay, we'll give that a try. Thank you. Okay, you're welcome, and thank you for calling. Okay, bye. Bye, Larry. There's so many different things that could affect it, but definitely it's we see more rusting happening uh, in this, coming out of spring from it. It almost looks like orangey-red color tones. So that's definitely the desiccating. But yes, Larry, uh, do a test and see, and maybe give us a shout next week and see if you found any spider mites. All right, well, we're going to go right to lines. It's going to be a busy gardening morning. Hi, Judy. How are you? Paying down your debt isn't all it's Hello? Judy? We have Judy on the line. Oh, maybe we lost Judy. Judy, if you're listening, maybe uh, if you can turn your radio down and give us a shout back, that would be great. Uh, what were we talking about? We we're talking about picking apples, everything to going to... Caring for, I think maybe this would give us a preempt from Larry's conversation to say, what do we do for our fall care? And that's one of those things too, is as we get drier and drier through the next month, if we don't get some moisture. And yes, 
it has been dry because I've seen photos of people's lawns where there's been cracks wide enough that, yeah, if we rolled a golf ball down there, whoops, there goes the golf ball. So adding a little bit of moisture to your trees and to your shrubs and even your perennial rootings or your plants that are in there because it's going to be beneficial for everything going through the winter. And there's different tasks, so do not put your hose away too yet. There's plenty of time for gardening season ahead of us. Now let's go to right to line. Uh, Catherine's on the line. Hello, good morning, Catherine. Good morning. I have a question. Um, why? Uh, what causes the leaves on our trees to change color, and why so much earlier this year than usual? Hi, Mary. Oh, oh okay, well... If they're changing color earlier this year, it's because naturally, let's go back a little bit to describe. Our spring started off so much faster, and I think the development and the production of our leaves started so much sooner, probably a month faster. And with the amount of stress on some action with the heat, you have a development series or you have a production of growth that happens in earlier time frame. Now, the reduction of leaves and causes of leaves to and is the cycle of time frame for them is one. Decreased lighting hours will cause there's a abscisic acid in the leaf structure that basically, to get fancy, um, the leaf that's attached to the tree, it intrinsically says the light levels are lower, temperature changes are coming. Uh, they basically block off the flow of fluids to that leaf and that's what causes the leaf to abort. And before it aborts, it goes from green to the different color tone because it's not getting the nutrients and it's not getting fed. So it causes the change of color and then it drops. So we are seeing this and um, even listening to some of the environmental things that are happening, some of the smoke and haze that we've been having has been blocking a lot of the sunlight. So I'm not going to be solid sure of this but that could plausibly or possibly block some of that lower light levels that causes early drop to as well so it's the light that causes the uh the leaves to have the green color and then lack of light turns yellow it's the chlorophyll because you need the chlorophyll and you need it's the sunlight it's the chlorophyll and then the chain of action plus we know that certain trees have a pattern of dropping leaves, right? So I think a combination of everything we are seeing. And, you know, people for weeks now, even just looking, I'm going to lift up my blind here, even looking in our nursery at the yard that's here, a lot of colors have been happening at a earlier time frame this year, even more so this year, you know? So, um a little bit of explanation of that and it's just the life cycle of a tree but I think because of the environment and everything else is just happening a little bit sooner yeah I thought yeah. the frost was what caused the leaves to change color and we haven't had frost so this was a bit of a, a puzzle for me but it's fascinating I'm glad I, that you could explain that to me yeah well yeah. Um, sometimes too the frost will cause a drop it won't cause the the cooling temperatures will cause that acidic acid to stop the flow. But 
in some instances of heavy frost will cause a drop of leaves. Um, One of the examples I can probably give you is um, um, Manchurian ashes. You know, the ash family trees, they are one of the ones that, you know, uh, in the fall, once you get a heavy frost, it's almost Mm -hmm. like the ash tree goes, whoop, and everything falls off. Sorry for the dramatic effect there, but that's the way they basically go, boom, and the leaves (laughs) drop, whereas other trees still have that resistance. It's almost like the tendrils holding onto leaves going, don't go yet, don't go yet. But the wind action makes them fall off. So yeah. you you are sometimes right because in certain in- instances, and it's with that mm-hmm. ash tree that uh, it does that one time or twice drop that's on it. And it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny but it's not because i have a i have a large ash tree in my yard and some years when you get that colder frost on the one side of the tree but the side that faces the house is warmer i actually mm-hmm. get two defoliation of leaves from this tree one it will completely drop and then the next frost i get it so i kind of go yeah i look mm-hmm. at the tree and go thank you i don't have as much leaves to rake this time yeah. but i know what i have to do next time yeah, well, I got a lot of dry leaves on my lawn here, and uh, I thought that was kind of strange. Yeah, it's a yeah. little, it's a little early, and I think a lot <laughs> of people are noticing it too as well. So it's mostly the light. It's That's- it's in yeah, it's light. It's in environmental, and also okay. uh, just remember, we are even though we've had some rain in heavier spots, uh, <laughs> some locations are very dry, so that could be a. a compounded aspect of them defoliating sooner okay thank you you're very knowledgeable i appreciate this very much oh you're welcome kathleen and you you know what we all learn together okay okay you're welcome bye-bye this is interesting it's going through and it's kind of uh there's something sort of peaceful and and soothing about walking through the rustle of leaves that you find in the ground it's very pretty it's very colorful And no matter where you live, there's different color tones that come to the leaf structure and the color of that leaf. It even actually brings out the beauty of defoliating trees with even having some of the fruit still on it. Uh, If you're looking at some of the flowering crabs right now, some of them are actually holding on some beautiful color tones. Or if you're looking for that accent for the birds to think of mountain ash or uh, the mountain ash trees that carry their fruit through the winter because we we haven't talked even about that yet what how what kind of plants can i hold on to for winter interest i know winter's coming we don't want to talk about it but in the gardening world we look at the landscape structure of our yards to see what beauty can we create in a different season Just imagine, it's going to come, that first white frost and that first white dusting that we have with a beautiful tree with red berries from the mountain ash or some of those rosy blooms that still have a little bit of fruit dangling on them, accented against some red dogwood stems in the background. It's pretty. All right. Now, let's get out of the winter mode and think of more fall because we know it's all in the back of our minds. What have you been doing with your bounty that you've been harvesting? 
I'd like to hear if you if you follow me on Facebook or Instagram, you'll see that I uh, took a day off or, uh, to make a little bit of a tomato sauce that's on there. I got a little recipe. Now, what do you do? Do you can them? Do you bake them? Roast them? Are you making tomato sauces or are you making tomato soup? Yes, I was uh, roasted some of mine with some garlic and some onions, a little bit of uh, beautiful olive oil, a little bit of coarse salt on top, pepper, put it in the oven, pulled the skins off some of the larger ones, but you grind it up and it makes such a delicious, fresh sauce that you can apply to almost anything. You just need a beautiful little pasta al dente, put it on top, and that basil that you have in the garden is still growing. You can go and get little snippets of fresh basil, top it on top. What a delectable... I'm even thinking about salivating right now. I know what I'm going to be cooking tonight for supper. A little bit, maybe a little Parmesan that's on the side. And have you been harvesting your garlic? That's one thing that I don't have in my uh, garden is the garlic right now. So when are you harvesting and have you harvested your garlic that's on it? Or if you haven't started harvesting your garlic, are you planning on growing garlic? Have you been thinking about tomatoes and apples and doing a little bit of harvest? And I know that the corn out there has been super yummy that was in there. I was out at St. Leon's the other day and I picked up uh, some corn from there and it was delicious, super sweet. I think it's almost one of those staple foods that we put into our culinary dinners uh, just so that we know that it's fresh and it's the season for it. Now, I didn't have any garlic to put into my tomato sauce or tomato paste base that I make. But have you started harvesting your garlic? And if you're new to it, there are a couple things that if you're looking at uh, when do you harvest garlic. So I'll always look, like I always kind of check this, make sure that the lower leaves are starting to do, turn brown. That's a clear indicator of it. And back in the days when my uh when my husband's grandma, Baba Melanchuk, was alive, she actually had me go out one time in my early years to help her pull some garlic and to do some braiding of the garlic as well. So she always told me when the lower branches are starting to be a little brown, you have the, still the green tops that are on them, just gently take a fork and try and loosen the bulb because you don't want to pull it and then break that stemming because you want to be able to bring it up gently that's on it. And you can bundle them together, you can weave them together, and you can hang them. I think uh, she used to tell me to take them and put them in my uh, shed. And lo and behold, when she said shed, make sure it's shed, because lo and behold, I braided a bundle for her, took it home, and wow, the power of the garlic in the house. It smelled wonderful, but it was just a slightly too strong. So there's fun with harvesting. All right, let's go right back to lines. Faye is waiting. Good morning, Faye. Good morning, Carla. I so enjoy your show. Oh, well, thank you. I have a question with regard to how do you keep deer out of your evergreens? Ooh, okay. Yeah, you know what? Um, well, there are a couple little things. Uh, I think on the market there's some... Ho- if, when you can use your hose during the season when, you know, this helps during the summer months... Uh, there is a trigger-activated uh, spray item that you can, but it's good for a little bit of a t- time frame because they will get used to it. Um, if you want to deter it, 
uh, you could put up some netting around your items, or there's also bo um, Bobex or plant skid that you can use. There are two types of sprays that are especially effective during the winter months that you want to put onto your foliage of your evergreens because they do not like the, the scent of it or the taste of it. Okay, we had uh, kept them caged with um, chicken wire around them. Yep. And, of course, they have grown and so uh, had to take that down because they're growing through that. And yep. um, we thought, well, maybe there's something else that could be used instead of, you know, building a bigger cage, so to, so to speak, and putting them back up. But, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a real problem. How old are they? How old, how, not the deer, but the cedars. <laughs> <laughs> the trees would be probably six or seven years old. Okay. And so and they've just, well, there's, some of them are about six feet tall now. Okay, so they're just coming up into looking really nice. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. um, and the thing is, when you're chicken, uh, when you're putting the chicken netting and the wiring out, getting to six feet tall is going to be a little bit of a hard because you know that they can go above six foot, right? By the time oh, yeah. they're nibbling, that's on there. Um, I would probably guard them still again on the lower portions because uh, do you guard it right to the ground for rabbits too as well? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So. I would still guard it a little bit that's onto it, um, but I would also mimic, if you're going to put the spray in, also spray it with the wiring because it's almost conditioning. Um, if you condition an animal that it's not favorable, so if you cage it and then you go through a couple seasons where you're putting the application of the plant skid or the bobex on it, it's almost that... Pavlov's theory that you're training and conditioning that I don't like that because that one doesn't taste good. You might defer them to a neighbor's yard, but um, you want to you want to get them into the condition that they do not like that particular area. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, and, that's that's what we'll do. Okay. And in some instances, too, Faye, the um, bobex and the it is a blood. Uh, natural it is natural so it is a blood byproduct that's on there so intrinsically when they do smell that they instinctually it's like something's happened here maybe we should vacate from this area okay okay, okay. all right great thanks very much enjoy your day okay you too all right take care all right okay bye-bye bye-bye these are things that we're starting to think about. And I know, um, you know, I've been sharing the last couple of weeks, the granddaughters are coming over and they're kind of giving a giggle because I keep putting one of the smallest little tomatoes that are kind of greeny on the edge of my garden. And the girls look at it and every day there's little more nibbles of that uh, gone. And I know it's my series of family of rabbits that keep going all summer long that's in there. Um, so you share your harvest, but in something like this where the cedar is getting to be looking just beautiful, that you don't want to share the cedar with the thing, do a little bit of a deterrent and steer them to a different direction that's on it. I know it's so disheartening to have your plants uh, defoliated or uh, sh I say shared with other animals. It is. It's disheartening. I can. I can feel it. It's. It's hard. Now, I wanted to talk to you about the garlic because it is that time frame where we're getting back into planting, and it's one of the things that's on it. Um, is are you getting ready for planting? If you're getting 
some of those areas done. And we talked about garlic, and garlic seems to be the number one bulb in the fall. And years and years ago, it used to be tulips and daffodils. And now I find that a lot of people are targeting for the garlic, which is your edible ones, yes. Uh, And there's also, don't forget, ornamental allium. And it's an ornamental onion, ornamental, so it's not an edible one. But these are ones that need to be planted in the fall in order to show in your garden. Now, the ornamental alliums are just beautiful. And a lot of times, I'm giving you this shout out because a lot of people will come in in the spring and they say, I have this big, I see it in someone's yard. It has these big strap leaves on the bottom, a large stalk with this huge purple ball on top. Well, they're talking about alliums. And those need to go in the ground, just like your tulips and daffodils in the fall, in order for it to grow for the next year. There are some beautiful varieties, uh, gigantium, which will get a four or five inch huge orb ball on the top, or some of the smaller varieties that are short, and they're beautiful, they're textured. Who wouldn't want something that's dramatically round orb into their garden? And just remember, yes, like tulips, the foliage, once they're done, like your tulips, the foliage will die back and let the sugars and starches go back for the structural growth for next year. Now let's flip. We talked about garlic. Oh, garlic. Did you know that there are so many different types of garlic? So many types of garlic. And when you're looking at it, there's different types of garlic that you go through, and it is um, like... Uh, here, I'm just looking at it. There's soft neck garlic and hard neck. So if you're looking for your hard neck garlic types, they are the best to plant in the fall. Your soft neck ones are not totally as hardy that's in through here, but your hard necks are the ones that you want to target for growing in our area. I actually ran over to the, to the shelf here and I grabbed the list of varieties are in here and I just want to mention a few of them to you because some of them are favorable and do you realize that some of the garlics actually have different tastes to them like if you're looking for some of um, Mexican purple that's in through here it's uh, got 8 to 16 cloves that you can separate and it's a rich medium flavor if you're looking and also too when you're looking at the bulbs of garlic Do you want to grow because of its harvest time, its storing ability, or the size of the bulb, or the size of the clove size? Because in essence, some clove sizes depict when you want to peel them. If you like to peel each one individually, if they're tiny little cloves, you might just get a little disheartened on the amount of work that you want to do. Or if you want to do like I do, I grab a whole head myself, I chop it, uh, the lower portion of it, and I cook it with the paper and everything right on it, and it comes right off, peels off really good. You can squeeze out the garlic afterwards to use either for cheeses blended in, or yes, if I had some available, it would have gone into my uh, tomato sauce. So take a look at your uh, garden center, head to the garden centers, look at some of the garlics that are out there. If you're looking for Siberian uh, garlic, it's probably a really nice one. It's got a strong, spicy flavor to it. And you're looking at five to nine cloves, so it's an easy peel one, if that's what you're looking for. 
Uh, other ones that are favorable that's in there, I mentioned the Mexican purple. They're looking for uh, music. Music seems to be a very one. It's very hot, though, when it's eaten raw. It's a little note here, and I'm just kind of giggling to myself. Uh, I know that some people would probably eat garlic raw. have never tried it myself. So if you've tasted garlic raw, I'd like to hear from you because I, it's, I don't think I've ever been tempted to eat a raw garlic. I know some people who will actually peel an onion and eat an onion like an apple if it's a sweet one. Yes, never done it before either, but there's always something to adventure into. Uh, Bogart is another one, strong, fiery, heat. It's one of the hardest and hottest hardneck varieties. Again, uh, the Bogatar is actually very colorful too when you're peeling it. It's got that purple kind of striping that's into it. So there's the culinary aspect of gardening that you want to get done in the fall. So, and in some instances, how do I plant garlic? If you, if you're new to gardening, maybe you need help knowing when to plant it. And mid-September to October, uh, you generally want to do it about four or five weeks before, I think, the first frost or the f- before the ground freezes, put it that way, that's in it. And you want to make sure when you're planting too and you're checking out the bulbs, always make sure that the cloves are nice and hard and solid so that they'll be able to uh, use that way. Um, and occasionally too, if you're looking for the depth of it, probably about three, four inches deep into the ground, three inches about yeah, I'd probably say three inches. I'm just measuring on my, I usually use some of my fingers too as measurement that's on it. Try to go three to four inches deep for it and set them in there and you will see that you will have a great crop going for next year. So we've talked about the apples. Done. Good. Still time to harvest. Still time to bake some apple pies. Uh, corn. Yummy, yummy, yummy. Thinking about the tomato sauces. Garlic. Now, there's something that I wanted to mention. It's been on my plate, no pun intended, that we're thinking of culinary stuff, is there's something that's fun to, to grow. And you may have seen them at your garden centers or something that's maybe trending that's on it, is growing mushrooms, but in a mushroom kit. There are some out there, and I think it is so fun. There's a couple uh, people that have mentioned that they had a great time growing, and I'm not talking just your regular ones. There's different varieties of mushrooms that you can grow. It's basically a kit in a bag that you grow it. You give it the moisture, and lo and behold, you get to harvest these mushrooms. Uh, If you're going to venture out to the garden centers uh, this weekend or in the next little bit, it's maybe something that you want to venture into. Uh, There is a variety called Nature Lion that's out there and there's a couple other varieties that give you that combination of growing things like I think I remember some of the uh, pink oysters. So you can do some pink oysters or white oysters or even there's the uh, larger ones that have sort of a different texture to it which is called lion's mane. And basically in just a few weeks you can have your collection of mushrooms to put in with your Maybe your pasta sauce. Who knows? It's all good when we're talking about harvesting and getting things going and growing and cooking. Now, on my notes here, it says, okay, this I have to mention right away because it is going to be time effective. So let's stop thinking about food. 
you can tell I'm hungry, and go into the gardening care. A couple things that we want to do. All right, and I think that we're, let's take a clue by what Faye said too. If we're starting to protect our cedars, uh, what we want to do is if you're going to be using any of your wood posts or steel posts to anchor or to hold your structures up with, maybe uh, take a time frame to get those in the ground before it freezes. It's way too soon to burlap or uh, you can do your netting sooner, but you may want to delay that just for the uh, fall effect of the garden. But get the stakes in the ground sooner because it's so hard to do if you if the ground starts to freeze up or get a little bit harder. So that's a clue. The other thing that you should be doing and thinking about is banding your trees. That is important because if you're thinking of prevention of insect infestations and diseases that are coming and overwintering, we want to be able to do the tree bending. That happens starting now. And we want to get that before that first heavy frost starts going. So if you've got your banding stuff in the shed, go and check, see if you have enough. If you're looking for any of the Tanglefoot or the other brand that's out there, uh, it's this, it's called Sticky Feet for a reason. Because as the bugs climb over it, of course, their feet get sticky and they get stuck. And they don't get to the upper canopy of the tree. And I like using the tree banding because it has the... Uh, the mesh or the sort of the it almost looks like layers of styrofoam or the I call it the squishy stuff that's underneath with the silver overlay on the on it so band your trees you can use a little staple gun to go into the bark the little staples that hold it nice and snug are not going to affect the band uh, or the the bark of the tree it will help to hold it into place and if you didn't get your ones down from last year you may want to Uh, clean it up because if the leaves have been on it from last year or if you have a huge bug infestation that's already on it, maybe clean it up, tidy it up. And we want to be able to prevent some of the bugs from going upwards and hence your uh, tent caterpillar or your gypsy moths and all that kind of stuff. Okay, and that's a good thing to check. Now the other one too is I know that it's a little bit soon for this yet. But when you're in the garden shed, check out for your um, dormant oil and lime sulfur because when the leaves have fallen, you want to make sure that if you have had any uh, diseases on your trees, let the leaves fall. And then that's the time that you would do your dormant oil lime sulfur spray on it. And again, it's a beneficial thing to do in order to prevent any overwintering bugs, right? We do it normally with the dormant spray. We usually do it in the fall after the leaves have fallen. And then we double up in the spring and we apply it again in the spring before the bud set opens. Right? So much to think about. Not only are we harvesting, but we're also looking after this stuff. Thank you for listening, everyone. Have a safe weekend. If you're headed to the bomber game, go bombers. We'll be back next weekend on the Lawn and Garden Journal. Bye-bye, everyone.